all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and now are having a beautiful first week of December. Our Thanksgiving break was sweet, but really too short, honestly. We traveled to Oklahoma, where my husband and I are both from, and it takes, of course, most of the day to drive there. That long drive was particularly special this year because I forgot to book a boarding facility for our two dogs, so Brave and George were along for the ride, which was really fun. Brave is our big dog, and he's literally scared of everything, which is why we named him Brave. You know, we were just trying some positive reinforcement as we named him, thinking maybe every time we say his name, it's a little bit like, you can do it, buddy. We got brave when he was about a year and a half old, and he had been rescued from the pound by a lady in North Carolina who finds troubled dogs and rehabilitates them and trains them. And we got him. His name was actually Louie. And since one of our longtime friends and also pastor at the time was Louis Giglio, we just felt weird calling him Louis, so we changed his name to Brave. We were actually surprised later to find out that Louis was actually a little bit disappointed that we changed his name. He thought it would be kind of endearing. But anyway, Brave has come a long way since we got him, and he still has his hang-ups, which, you know, if you're holding anything in your hand, like a book or a magazine or even a phone, you can forget about him paying any kind of attention to what you want him to do. He just locks up. So that's why Brave is a little less of an Instagram guy than George is. You could be holding a boa constrictor in your hand and George would come up and get in your lap. George, in fact, if you let him on a sunny afternoon, will stay in your lap for hours upon hours. We actually call him the newborn babe, and we pass him around the room as we're watching movies, and everyone just takes a turn to cuddle. After about 30 minutes of snuggling, George reaches this point that we can say he's soggy, meaning you can sit him straight up in your lap, and his eyes are just blinking slowly. He's falling asleep. He's just like a little sack of potatoes in your hands, and you can literally make him do little dance moves. You could braid his hair if you wanted. You could even, I mean, put a wig on him and dress him up. He's all yours. So this actually makes the nine-hour drive to Oklahoma not so bad after all, because he just kind of stays in that soggy state the whole way. Brave, on the other hand, has the jitters the entire drive pretty much and pants really hard and yawns about 600 times, which I've learned is a sign of stress for dogs when they yawn like that. And of course, his breath filled up the entire car with what my brother Sean calls dead fly smoothie breath. So that's a treat. And then the treat of treats was, of course, that he threw up like a lot in the floorboard of the back seat. So that was a real fun 45-minute stop to reboot our entire traveling space. Needless to say, I have already marked on my calendar to call the boarding facility in June to book for Thanksgiving week. (laughs) Once we are in Oklahoma, we spend one full day with my family and one full day with Nathan's family. They're about an hour and a half, two hours away from mine. And then we do the most of the day drive home, minus the vomit on the way back, thankfully. And then we try to leave ourselves one or two days at home just to rest from the trip and have what feels like Thanksgiving at home. And there you have it. 
Our break was over, and school and work came much too quickly that following Monday, as I'm sure it did for all of you. We have had rehearsals the last few days and are now on the road sharing the songs from my Christmas record called The Thrill of Hope, live in a few select cities. We're doing some private events, but there are a few that you might could get in on, so be sure to check my website, christianarkles.com, to see if we might be coming near you. We'd love to meet you and see you. Or you ladies that want a little getaway, come join us in Franklin, Tennessee on December 12th for The Well at 7 p.m. at Church of the City. I'll be sharing most of the record live that night as a special Christmas version of The Well, which is a women's gathering that I have helped start with my friends Rebecca Lyons and Lauren Tomlin. It's citywide for the women of Nashville, but maybe you and your friends should travel in and make a night of it or a day of it. You'll want to make time to hit the shops in downtown Franklin before you leave town for sure, though. It's a must. So far, these Christmas shows have been so much fun and so life-giving. It has been amazing to get to share the stories behind the songs. Plus, I know this sounds really strange, but even though I wrote most of these songs, I still have to learn how to sing them to the point where they become second nature to me. When you sing vocals on a record, it's like you lay down a template sort of in the moment for what eventually you'll learn by heart and it will become sort of a part of you. So I've been listening and learning to that template that I laid down months ago when I was belting out Christmas songs in July in our little studio in the woods. And even though some of these I wrote years ago, they seem so fresh to me today because I'm learning by heart how I interpreted them for this album and sort of letting them settle in me for the long haul. And I'm happy to say that my heart is still just so tender around these songs, and I've even gotten choked up this past week singing them live and sharing the stories behind them. We were just out at Saddleback Church in Southern California, where we got to be a part of their Christmas pageant for all four of their services. Pastor Rick, aka Papa Rick, sat in this big comfy chair by the Christmas tree and read through the Christmas story while the kids in their children's ministry acted it all out on stage. I actually enjoyed seeing it all four times as we closed out that time with a few songs from the thrill of hope. But I loved that Pastor Rick read from Psalm 78. It says, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, and he established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, that they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. As he read that passage, all I could think is, it's our time now to tell our children, and someday our children's children— Each night, I've shared these songs. I've actually had this little plaid scarf tied around my neck, though it's actually not really a scarf. It's actually a remnant from my granddad's plaid flannel shirt that I took from his closet the day that we buried him before I left town. We stopped by his house one last time because I knew my mom and dad would be getting ready to sell it since my sweet granny had already gone home to be with Jesus ahead of my granddad. I went to his closet and I ran my hand across all his Western shirts that I had seen him gussied up in all my life. 
Growing up, whatever holiday it was, it simply wasn't complete until you heard Granddad whistle when he walked through the front door. That was his entrance, this little bird whistle that he did with his mouth, which now my brother Eric has taken on that tradition in honor of my granddad. And sometimes I even do it when I walk into his house. It's our way of remembering him and also saying, I'm here. Someone who loves you is here to see you. When we heard that whistle when we were kids, we'd come running around the corner, and there he would be in one of his spiffy Western shirts, usually with a vest and a jacket on top of that because he was always dressed to the nines, with some sort of slacks and, of course, his cowboy boots and a hat. Don't forget the cowboy hat. Up until he was in his late 80s, he always came with instruments in hand, his fiddle, his acoustic guitar, and his banjo, which in fact actually made an appearance on The Thrill of Hope on several songs, and that basically made my mom's whole life. It's the little things in our family that are huge. But Granddad was one who always instigated us, all gathering in the music room to sit around the piano together and sing. Pretty much every time we'd convince my granny and granddad to sing their favorite duet together, which was Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. And we'd often break into a dance party after that, and we'd get them both jigging. They were both just absolute dolls, and I miss them so much. But having that remnant of his plaid flannel shirt around my neck this past week as I've been singing these songs has been such a sweet reminder of my heritage, that the manger story has been sung to me my whole life and told to me by generations before me. But I'm also more aware than ever that it's my turn, like I said. My mom and dad tell us that They get up every morning, and they have their coffee together, and they remind us that they pray over each of us as children and grandchildren by name every single morning. And let me tell you, when my dad prays, it's like heaven is being called down to earth. It's very alarming. And I realize when I hear him pray that I have a long way to go to learn how to pray that consistently and that fervently. And it's already my turn to be praying like that for my own children, also that my own children would in turn sing the song to their children and so on. I think about Annie Rose someday telling her children that Angel's Lullaby, Mary's song from The Thrill of Hope, was written while I was holding her in my arms when she was only a few days old. At the time, my husband and I were called artist-in-residence at our home church then in Franklin called Fellowship Bible Church. And that summer, 2007, they were putting together a Christmas record, which was a compilation of all the artists and worship leaders that went to the church at that time. And well, of course, that was the same summer that Annie Rose was born, our third child. And they asked Nathan and I to write and perform a song on the CD. And at first, honestly— I told him that I thought there was no way that I could be in any kind of head and heart space to write a song after having my third child. So I just went ahead and called it. I sort of resigned to the idea that anything creative could come out of me during that time of sleep deprivation. And, you know, your body's basically a feeding station and you feel like you are all utility at that moment in your life. Well, those first few weeks of holding this precious new life, I would find myself, as many mamas do, sitting and just staring at her, checking out her tiny little fingernails and thinking, how can they be that small and be real? 
Annie Rose seemed like such a little nugget to me because she was under seven pounds when we brought her home from the hospital. Now, I know that sounds really average and normal to you, but my first two babies, you have to understand, were nine pounds, 14 ounces, and eight pounds, 14 ounces. So to have a baby under seven pounds felt like I was holding a little baby doll. And I would just sit and stare at her little ears and her nose and her mouth There were many things on my mind at that time, of course, the cares of a normal household of now five, but also things like, when am I going to have time to do anything, much less try to figure out her birth announcement, getting a photo done, addressing the cards, getting them out the door, and also, how is this new baby going to fit in with the rhythm that we've already had going as a family? But as I sat and held her close, the glorious crept into the mundane, and I was suddenly transported in my mind, to another place, another time, in a stable or a cave somewhere where sheep are birthed and raised, there sat a trembling teenage girl just after the greatest announcement in history just went down. I mean, she had no need to get a flimsy card out in the mail to all of her friends. (laughs) The announcement of her newborn son had just filled the night sky, complete with an angel army. But there she sat, swaddling her son, almost breathless as she struggled to take in the sights and sounds of that holy, but I'm sure terrifying moment. I almost named this song Mary Ponders because the scriptures tell us in the gospels that after the shepherds received the alarming announcement, they of course went around spreading the news to everyone, to all who would listen and take it in. But what does it say? Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love that. So Angel's Lullaby is the sacred moment between mother and son, but also really a young woman and her Messiah. Mary ponders on the sights and sounds of all that's happening around her and to her, whether she saw the angelic display from a distance or maybe she was just told in detail by the rowdy shepherds who came to find the child. Perhaps Mary recognized that not every infant gets an angelic announcement in the night sky. An angel's lullaby, if you will. Not lulling in the sense of sound, of course. I'm sure it was so glorious, it was almost deafening. But lulling to the troubled heart that peace is now on earth. The Messiah was here. Some believe that Mary would have been familiar enough with Old Testament prophecies where she would have at least known the implications to some degree of what the Messiah meant to her and her people that He would save His people from their sins. Who knows what she really knew or what her intuition told her in that moment. But as I sat there investigating my own little swaddled-up ball of joy, I began to sing what Mary might have sung in those quiet enough to hear a pin-drop moments after His miraculous birth. Tiny heart held close to mine, beating for all the world. I danced to its rhythm. Tiny mouth breathing on me, fresh from the breath of God. I will always remember how the angels sang with power and conviction, announcing you with a glorious sound. Glory to the newborn King. Glory to God in the highest. Praise adoration lifted on high. It's the angel's lullaby. From the farthest star to a mother's heart, a promise carried through. Hear the melodies of all who will believe, and let them welcome you. Glory to the newborn King. Glory to God in the highest. Praise 
adoration lifted on high. It's your angel's lullaby. How beautiful that the glorious filled an ordinary night and an ordinary girl. She had done nothing in her life to find this kind of favor with God. She was simply chosen. She wasn't regal. She was real and raw and right where she was supposed to be. If there's one theme that the Bible revisits over and over, it's that life is freely offered to those who will just believe. This life isn't earned, and I love that even the favor that came upon Mary wasn't something that she earned or even aspired to earn. Sometimes I cringe when others call fame the favor of God. Favor doesn't always look like fame. Favor shines just as bright on a long, dark road to Bethlehem. It changes the world right from a dingy manger and a dark cave. Favor lands just as much on the unseen. Those whose stories that reach cavernous depths, though they may never reach far and wide, so to speak, their stories are like treasures in the deep. Like Isaiah 45 says, hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. I pray that that fills you with hope today and that you'll know that He always knows where to find you. He sees the unseen, and even your sighing is not hidden from Him, as David says in Psalm 38.9. As the Christmas story unfolds all around you in a myriad of ways this season, may you find yourself found in the story. Emmanuel, God with you in the present, and be encouraged all over again that He didn't choose the regal and royal. He chose the one that He knew would rise up and sing, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, and the Lord has done great things for me. That very passage of scripture was made into a song by my friend Chris Tomlin, who is my very special guest today. I've sung it with him, in fact, countless times, along with many other passages of scripture that this friend of mine has turned to song. At some point along the way, these past 20 years, Chris turned from songwriter to modern hymn writer, really, in my book. In fact, our grandkids, I think, will sing many of the songs that Chris has written and been a part of. I don't even know the countless hours that he and I have spent together riding and on the road, traveling the globe together, really, with passion conferences and even just his own tours. Chris has always set me up to win when I was out on the road with him, really giving me the space to share my songs and my story. I'm forever grateful to him for that, and Chris and his band are really like brothers to me. In fact, I've laughed out loud with my own family many times about being the only girl growing up. In a marvelous way, it was an awesome training ground for being on the road with a bunch of guys. I will say that they've tried their best through the years to accommodate me and be on their very best behavior, sometimes going over and above and sometimes barely hanging on, I'm sure, (laughs) but they are good brothers. And when we get together, we laugh so much telling stories that literally hours pass as we just linger because it's like family that was formed a long time ago. And we kind of don't know how to not be family after all these years. It's the kind of family where weeks and weeks can pass when we're all out doing our own things and traveling around and going a hundred different directions. But when you gather in the same room together, There's no selfies or photo ops. It's the put your feet up and watch the game with a big glass of sweet tea kind of hang. And Nathan and I just need that in our lives. And that's what Chris and Lauren's home has been for us. 
a place where we feel most ourselves and even our kids have found it to be a place of refuge. And my daughters adore his daughters. And in fact, Lauren often slips my girls a little bit of cash here and there because they do such a great job of babysitting their little ones so that Chris and Lauren can have time to fellowship. So it's a win-win because everybody enjoys it. At this past Dove Awards, Chris won a very unique award from Sound Exchange that only Garth Brooks, Justin Timberlake, and Pitbull so far have won. He was honored for one billion digital plays or streams. And a few friends of mine were at the ceremony and they said they just noticed in particular how humble Chris was when he received this award and even was overcome with emotion. I was actually able to find the quote, and I know he wouldn't mind me sharing it, but as he accepted the award, he said, I am most proud today of what this recognition says about the genre of Christian music. Christian music as a whole is what is truly being recognized today. I want you to know it is an honor to represent all of you in this room. It signals that the church is strong and as alive and well as ever. I've believed all my life that there's no higher way to express music than to bring glory to God, the one who created it in the first place. I'm reminded tonight of Bach, who signed every piece of his music that he considered sacred with the letters S-D-G, which means Soli Deo Gloria, which means glory to God alone. So it continues today as we make every effort to create music that is excellent and worthy of praise to God. May everyone who knows it and hears it, whether they can articulate it or not, know it is stamped with the letters SDG, glory to God alone. This music is eternal, and it's the only music that's eternal because it is the music that is around the throne of God even tonight. It never ceases. Day and night, they never stop singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we just join in that song tonight. We keep joining in that song every day with everything we're doing. Isn't that powerful? I continue to be so inspired by Chris's humility and by the way he seeks the Lord over the songs he writes and honestly, how I see he and Lauren seeking the Lord on every decision they make, even in the little things. Songwriting sessions that Nathan and I have shared with Chris through the years and friends have many times begun with us just literally laid out on our knees or even face down sometimes. There's nothing like asking God what is on His heart for the world and for the church and literally out loud asking Him, will you grant us the songs of heaven so that they will touch earth? I've watched Chris do this over and over, and I will say that the other thing that I hear him talk most about is the people that come to his concerts and what God is doing in their lives. Chris has such a big heart, and he loves to hear and tell the stories of the people who come out to hear them and worship with them on the road. It just makes me really happy as his friend to see him more in love with the Lord than he's ever been and really more in touch with the stories and even the people that God is using his music to to deeply touch. I so hope you enjoy today my conversation around the table with Chris Tomlin. Well, it's a gorgeous day. On the Tomlin farm. Here we are. <laughs> this is called, we call this Peace Field. I don't know if you know that. You haven't told me that. Yeah, we named it Peace Field. And uh, one, yeah, I just lo- I love that word. And, you know, I love history and I love, re- re- I love reading books about, like, our country, the founding of our country and all the presidential books, anything David McCullough writes to whatever. And uh, John Adams, um, he had called his farm Peace Field. Uh-uh. Wow. And I always loved that word. I thought it was so beautiful. And when, when we found this little place, 
I thought this that's a good that's what it feels like to me peace peace field so yeah welcome to this is the uh, podcast at peace field here today at the, the Tomlin uh, homestead well it's a place that has become familiar to our family and we love it and um, yeah people could just see the view right now <laughs> um, and you even have a graveyard. We have yeah, there is a graveyard on the uh, on the property. It's a it's interesting like, like it's from we live on Boyd Mill Pike is our is our road, and it's the Boyd family's plot. And there's it's it's under this gro- little grove of trees. And it's these old tombstones. And so um, Lauren and I looked it up, and we went to uh, kind of went to the reg- historic registry in Franklin, Tennessee, and pulled up some uh, the information and, uh, of this little plot and. Yeah, it dates back. I think the earliest is seventeen seventy seven. Is on one of the tombstones, and most of the tombstones are you can't read them now, but most are pre Civil War to right at the Revolution of Revolutionary War to, to the Civil War mm. that hundred years. So it's like crazy. That right out there in our front yard. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. You're like, here, kids. This is, <laughs> this is our graveyard. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Well, we don't date back 100 years, but no. it feels like that sometimes. 20. 20 years. 20 years. That's, that's amazing. A, that's incredible. We're still friends. We're still friends. <laughs> and lots of life in 20 years. Lots of changes. Lots of ups and downs. I mean. And, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of, there's a lot of history. A lot of music in yeah. 20 years. Amazing. You think about all the music. It is. That's been, that's common. Who would have ever thought mm. we'd be sitting here doing this podcast together pretty cool so we first met at passion 97 right yeah in austin texas right that was the first one in austin Mm -hmm. i remember we were community group leaders i was a community group i led a community group and you and nathan and charlie were leading a community group next door yeah and um that was such a that was an amazing time Um, that was the obviously the start of passion mm-hmm. and the, the first kind of ideas of what that could become the first vision the first steps of what that would be we had no idea I don't know what Mm-mm. being what what was really starting to happen there um, but yeah we, I remember us being being neighbors there leading the mm-hmm. community group I think it was uh, Sam Perry was the yeah. worship leader for the big gatherings yeah. and then they break off into these community groups and you guys led one. I led one. It was an amazing, amazing start. Yeah. Yeah, it's been um, so amazing to see how that has unfolded through the years. I do remember um, not long after that, you invited me to sing on a song on your project that I've really carried <laughs> for many years. Was it called, like, Tell Me Who? Oh, gosh, Christy. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? That's you carried that for a long time, didn't you? I was really kidding. Okay, so early days, guys. If, you, if you're listening to this and you want to just, just eBay some things, you can find some of my early material that's really bad. Woo! There was a couple records of Christy sang, yeah, sang harmonies on this album. I did this. I don't, I mean, I think I called it a worship record then. I wouldn't call it that today. <laughs> but I, it was my own little independent project. You know, this is long before. Any record companies would have anything to do with me or cared, and and if you hear this music, you want you wonder why anyone would ever have cared, <laughs> and how how this you're like how did this guy 
<laughs> it's great for all you songwriters out there who are like discouraged. Just go listen to this early stuff of mine, and you'll be like, wow, if that guy can do that. <laughs> And I'm way ahead of the game. And so, okay. yeah, I can't believe you're bringing in some of these. That's some bad, bad, bad music there. Can you share some of those lyrics? Do you remember? Um, I tell remember me, like, tell me who, 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 who can do the things you do. Ain't nobody now. Ain't nobody never. Uh, I think that's the chorus. And the verses were like. Tell me who put the sun, put the. I think I think one of the lines was who put the milk in the farmer's cow. Yes. I think who that was who put the sting in the bumblebee. In the sting in the bumblebee. Who put I think <laughs> milk in the farmer's cow was like one of the lines. Gosh, with the sting in the bumblebee. Yeah. That does bring a lot of hope. Okay, I was playing for junior high. Let me just say I was playing junior high retreats, high school retreats. You know, gosh, that that was that's my only uh, disclaimer there. I mean, amazing. Yeah. This is back before band. This is back before, gosh, anything really. Yeah. It was all the early, early years. Well, so yes, we kind of we we've tracked along this whole time pretty much with conference. You know, year after year, getting to be a part of those collegiate gatherings. Um, but then we also, a lot of us who have journeyed together in that, moved to Atlanta. I mean. I never thought you'd leave Texas. No. So it was such a big deal. We all pretty much landed in Atlanta at the same, same time. time. And you had this you bought this house and you had this little cabin next to it that you kind of just let Nathan, my husband, just turn into a studio, help you turn it into a studio mm -hmm. and um and that was talk about some of the sweetest memories. I think in that it's, yeah, I think it's about five or six years we had there in yeah. that cabin. In this little white cabin in the woods, really, um, and that the amount of songs, mm -hmm. the amount of music that came out of that time, mm -hmm. that was one of the most. That's I, I think I'll look back as it being some of the sweetest times and years of my life. Yeah. Um, just Us too. I, I know we would get together and me, me, you, and Nathan, and um, some of just. Amazing friends, uh, Matt Marr, Jason Ingram, Matt Redman, Jonas, Daniel, Jesse, lots of friends, lots of just people getting around this house together, mm -hmm. and uh, Ed Cash would get in there with us, and I remember we would just get together around uh, that little living room area, and we'd pray, and it was all, you can imagine if you guys are listening, this, this place was just like, it was just almost picture perfect. Christy decorated the whole thing. <laughs> she... <laughs> I tried. So she did her interior decorating. In all my yes. spare time. In all our spare time. I picked out like all these things because it was just this old cabin that we redid. And I mean, we'd get in the living room and uh, we'd just get together and mm. pray and ask God for a touch on songs and pray for songs for the church and pray for whatever, whatever might come. And mm. it was really such a time of things being very open-handed, holding everything very loosely with our music. Yeah. And I'm, we'd get in groups of three or four yeah. and get go to different rooms, and some would go to the back, some would go around this piano on the side, some would be in the kitchen, it would, mm -hmm. wherever we could find. And just, okay, what's on your heart? And the songs, I mean, there'll be times, there's not a Sunday that goes by where I'm in some church or with and, um, and maybe I'm with Lauren and, there's not almost every time some some a song will start coming and I'll I'll just kind of lean over to 
that was from the cabin. Yeah. That came from the cabin. And I'm not leading them. I'm just out in the crowd and just mm. watching this happen. I'm like, that came from the cabin. Oh, that one came from the mm-hmm. cabin. Every time, I'm like, there's so much beauty that came out of that place. And mm-hmm. gosh, I was so grateful for those years. And when I think about, um, you know, gosh, we could go on a list of songs from mm-hmm. Lord, I Need You to Our God to Waiting Here for You to Healing Is in Your Hands to mm-hmm. like a- amazing, amazing songs. Special, and I bet that is so good for people to hear. You know these songs that people have played in their cars for years, just to know they really did come from such like a pure, sweet place. Like it really was like amazing. And I hope those maybe that will maybe we'll have another season of that someday down the road. You know, yeah, who knows? I I would hope for that. I think I definitely feel it was a moment in time where God just was pouring good like. Remember John Piper said years ago, he said, I love, what I love about passion, I feel like it's a waterfall that God's pouring out. I just like to find where the waterfalls of God are pouring out. I like to stand under it. Mm-hmm. And there's these p- places where God just pours out for a moment of time. This is where yeah. it's just so much anointing or however you want to mm-hmm. say it. And I feel like that was, that was a real moment. And, yeah, maybe that maybe that'll come again, but it was such a pure place of... It, when we go around, and I remember it'd be always like very confusing of like when the songs would kind of take off and become, okay, I think we're going to record this song. It's like who wrote it? I, I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a bunch of us. I don't know. <laughs> there's a bunch. There's a bunch of us. So if you look at those songs and see writers, like eight people on their names, because <laughs> we're just okay. We're all in there. Yeah, it's so true. Um, one of my favorite memories of being on the road, and it was international. We were in. Uganda and I remember thinking I think some of us even talked about it beforehand it was a lot of those songs um, at that time and thinking are they going to know anything in English like should we learn something and not only did they know every word in English and were singing it very loud they were calling out requests you know of more and we only had a certain amount of time (laughs) and then do you remember White Flag? Do you remember the moment in Uganda where it was like they sent out a memo for everyone <laughs> oh, with the, to have a white yes, flag yes. in their like maybe it was like a hanky and that's a thing in Uganda, but like talk about it was probably twenty thousand yeah. Ugandan college students in a field. Yes. And you start leading white flag <laughs> and all we see are these oh, yeah. literally thousands of white flags and they're waving them. It's like how'd they know to have this? That like took my, that took my breath away. I remember crying and just being like, "What are we like? Yeah. We're getting to be a part of." Right. I mean, these songs like how God—it's like universal, you know. God taking them and it becoming like this language. Exactly, crossing cultures, crossing um, age barriers, crossing language barriers, crossing everything yeah. of this music. That is, I mean, what an amazing thing! I I, I remember. When, what, do you remember like when the, the churches, when worship music started in the, like to explode in churches and it became became like, uh, especially I don't know maybe in the South more, but it would tear churches apart. Oh, we play this kind of music, or right. we play we play traditional music, we play the contemporary music, or we're you know it was all these they call it the worship worship wars or whatever. It's really really <laughs> sad. Yeah, it's extremely sad. And 
what I love is that that feels like it's turned on its head and that mm -hmm. music is though we're all, all different streams of church we're mm -hmm. kind of singing the same songs and music is a real unifier mm -hmm. around the world and we, we've seen that like I said in Uganda seeing people that you don't even know if they're going to even know one of your songs and then they all have white flags yeah. <laughs> ready for that song ready <laughs> How's for that this happen? moment I mean amazing well you mentioned Lauren so I think we should just go there we should just go there <laughs> Enough. I'll try not. This to is take your podcast. I knew that. I know, this, yeah, I know this. I know where this is headed. I knew this. The only reason we're going to have this podcast is for this moment. <laughs> Forget about your music, Chris. Thank you, but we want to talk about this. Um, I really will. Tr I will try not to take full credit for that. We're together at this moment. But talk about touring. I remember um, a moment. I was actually thinking today about this the whole Christmas tour where um, I got sick and I just remember today that like I was literally throwing up in the bushes at this yes. church and I turned around and you and Louie and Shelly and everybody were just right there. Just like, like <laughs> trying to, and you were in the bushes, literally in the bushes. Awful. I mean, throwing we've, up. we've definitely lived some life <laughs> together, but I remember that same tour. After I recovered, I went home and actually y'all had to leave me at the hospital but I went home, recovered for a bit, and came back out. And I remember us, we were in New York City and had a little stroll. And you and Lauren had had a go of it, and mm -hmm. it had broken off. Mm -hmm. And you had not had contact with her. Yeah, although I tried. And you had tried. <laughs> and I had, I had some contact with her, knowing that there was this whole other plot line happening with her and this other guy. Yeah. And so I remember my palms were sweating. I was like getting up the courage to ask you about it because I felt like deep in my heart that Lauren was supposed to be your wife. And so I remember this conversation and we were walking on the streets of New York City and I'm like, I don't, I mean, I didn't know, I want to give you false hope because... <laughs> Because I really didn't know where she stood, and I was like, I hope she's okay with me doing this. But like, have you thought about her? You know, have you? Yes, and you're like, yes, I've tried. She won't return my text, and it was like a, a wall at that point. Right. But I like to think that my little push that day, <laughs> and a few other days after that, and a few other days, <laughs> and every week. Uh, no, it's so true. You were a massive part of that. And you did give me hope. You're like, I think, you know, I think you should. I remember you're like, I think you should keep trying and go for it. And that was a big hope because I was looking for any kind of thing at, at that point. And, yeah, amazing. Our story, uh, God just kind of put that together in an amazing way. But, yeah, so Lauren had been married. We've married, we just uh, celebrated six years. And... Uh, thank you, Christy. And uh, <laughs> six years and two little ones. Uh, you might, if you hear bumps in this podcast, that's <laughs> the floors above us. They're running around. Uh, Five-year-old and a two-year-old. Amazing! It has been girls. So much fun to watch you become a parent. You become a dad, and mm. from the moment I was also thinking about today, being at y'all's wedding in Hawaii, and of course because we've always called you the Golden Boy, like. The first whale of the season comes up <laughs> during your vows, <laughs> and like just he just like raises his fin or whatever you call it. His, he's praising. His, he's just like all hail the power. 
<laughs> no, it's true. We returned. Y'all were looking at the ocean. We returned with our backs, and that was when we said I do and the vows. We walked down, and everybody's like, "Did you see that whale? It just came up." The the, the big. T- I was like, yeah. "What?" Of course, there's like a whale expert there in yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the first one. Yeah, yeah it's the first one of the season. season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From that moment to. <laughs> Being here at the at the farm at Peacefield and just getting to see you guys in action with being mom and dad. And oh gosh, Lauren is just amazing. She's an incredible mom, and just watching how hands on y'all really are is so sweet. Yeah, I feel so blessed, and you know, God knew what He was doing when He put mm-hmm. us together, um, and it's just you know, it was. It, I mean, everything was so fast-paced with with Lauren and I. Yeah. Well, I think where most people most people have what what they're dealing with year fifteen of marriage or year twelve, we're dealing with year two, and it's been a so fast-paced. And um, you know, we were like, "Gosh, it'd be amazing to be married maybe a year before we have children." Well, that was six weeks, and <laughs> we, we found out we're pregnant with Ashlyn, and. Uh, so everything was on fast pace. So you know, when you get married, I was single for a long time, and and so getting married, everybody knew more than me how much that would change me and how much it would realize just turn you on your head is like how selfish you are. All the things that marriage does, it grows you up in, in an amazing way that only marriage can do. And then you add children. <laughs> And you're really at another level of like, oh my goodness, the responsibility, the growing up, the like, you know, it, life is really not about you anymore. Yeah. And well, you're what, and you're not the first party when you wake up. And you know, when you're single, it's kind of that. But then you get kids, just like whole other world. And and so God knew what I needed with, with definitely with Lauren, mm. and uh, she's been just so patient, so much grace to mm. me. Um, she's she's beautiful, um, obviously. On the outside, but she's just gorgeous on the inside, mm, and she and she got, you know, I feel like really blessed that my girls have her as a mom, and and uh, they're yeah, she's got so many so many gifts, and mm. um, she's a, she's a we're the opposites in every single way. I think we I think the only thing we might enjoy together is um, maybe a HGTV show. Maybe there might be, or we like, we like 60 minutes. Okay. There, there you go. That's about it. Everything else is mm-hmm. completely opposites. And that's a, that's a good thing. Cause I, I definitely need, she's, I come from a family. You'll love this. I come from a family that, you know, we don't, we, you know, we just kind of like, don't talk a lot about like whatever the issues are. We just kind of like keep everything just like, you know, just more like, subdued more southern family more like lauren comes from a family where everything's out in the open at all times and it's like let's just talk about it all i i'm coming from no that's okay i don't need to talk about it she's like no let's talk about it so that's been really good for me and um we i think we're really good for each other yeah you know it's it's interesting like i feel like she's such a peacemaker and the the and, and i know even in my own life she though has you know sometimes you have to fight to for peace to come and she's been a fighter for, she's a fighter. for me and she and I can see that she's been that for you and for your family and I always say this about Lauren when I when people ask what she's like and I say that she is the best steward that I can imagine of what God's given you 
and it's, no doubt it's just been so sweet to no like, doubt to see that no doubt yeah. she's you know she is uh wasn't like uh married this huge fan of my music um <laughs> although i wish she was a little bit more of a fan <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> but like uh you know obviously she loves my music but she wasn't wrapped up in that or anything like that it was she's she's great for all the things that come uh with having to be married to me and all the <laughs> troubles that come with that and she's yeah. she just is um she has always an incredible perspective yeah. for me mm -hmm. and always grounding for me and in any kind of decision any kind of things that are coming my way gosh i can go to lauren it's like oh yeah that's that's right that's that's a great perspective and mm. um so yeah she's also got a good gut on some things she does um one of those you know you have a really popular song right now called good good father yeah. and um I happen to know the inside story on that, that it was Lauren yes. who brought that to you, right? Yes. Brought it to your attention. Yes, Lauren, she, she was, it was maybe, uh, gosh, it was right after this conference. I think you were leading at this conference, uh -huh. the IF conference, and mm -hmm. your friend, uh, Lauren Chandler, was yeah. leading the song, Good Good Father. Yeah. And, Lauren, and my Lauren came to me. I mean, she sent me an email. She said, Chris, I just heard this song at this conference. This is such a good song. That's a wonderful, this amazing song. And then she sends me this. I was out on tour. Sends me an email. Here's a link to this song. You should you should hear this song called "Good Good Father." It is so powerful. And she's never sent me a link of a song before. She never mentioned, "Hey, you should listen to this song." And um, you know, I got home and she's like, "Did you?" It's been maybe a week or so. She could you listen to that song I sent you? And you know, between us, I hadn't. And. Uh, <laughs> And I was like, get to it, babe. Right, I was like, I was like, well, you know, babe, I've been on tour. I got, I'm sitting on the bus all day. I don't have anything to do. I didn't have time to listen to it. And so uh, she's like, well, listen, let's let's go listen to it. So we get in the car, and, and she plays it for me, and I was floored. The first time I heard mm. the chorus, I was like, wow, this is really really special. And um, I was googling it immediately like on my phone and she was so frustrated she's like chris we haven't even got to the second verse and you're already on your phone like what listen to the song i was like no i'm listening i'm trying to figure out who wrote this song i'm so moved by it i was, I was just like sure. and i was like who wrote good good father and it was uh, pat barrett tony brown and i was like okay i know pat barrett oh my gosh in atlanta he leads a uh, grace um in atlanta and i was like i know this guy and so i emailed pat and i was like well done on the song man i haven't heard a song like this in a long long time and and you know what I'm saying, because you're a songwriter and you, you're a part of songs like this. There's, I always say there's good songs, there's great songs, and there's God songs. There's those moments where yeah. it's just touched by God. Yeah. You can't explain it. It's not, you, you haven't invented a new language. You haven't invented new chords. There's the, yeah. It's just something about it. Like how great is our God? Something like that. It's just like, it's a simple song, but somehow it's touched by God. It kind of rises above the noise of all songs. And that was yeah. this song. I just knew it immediately. I was like... And anybody who knows the history of my music knows that it, there's usually one song on each record that I didn't write that I try to like, Indescribable is one, God of the City is one, Everlasting God. I try to like find the song that I really love and say, okay, to my audience and people who are listening, you, you, everybody needs to hear this song. That's great. Yeah. And th this is one of those. This is one of those. So I immediately asked Pat, um, hey man, would you, could I record this? And he's like, oh man, I would love for you to. He said, you should know how the song came to be. And I was like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. He said, Tony 
the co-writer in this started leading this at church. Started was well, started singing this spontaneously at our church. Would start singing it over people in our prayer times and just as, as a healing for people. We didn't. All he had was the chorus, and he just start singing, "You're a good, good father. Oh, it's who that. you are. It's who you yeah. are." And he said for three or four Sundays, he just kept singing this chorus. There was no verses, no bridge. Mm-hmm. It was just that. It was just a spontaneous kind of coming out of us, just happening in the moment, and it just was beautiful. And I started thinking, "Wow, this is powerful. We should do something with this little chorus." And he said, "What's amazing is that Tony has never known his dad, and so the person who wrote this song." that has connected with people, with God as a Father, in such a beautiful, fresh, new way. It comes from someone. Wow. The core of this song, the roots, the guts of this song comes from someone who's never even known their dad. Mm. And I think that's, you know, when those things happen, I mean, I feel like it's a little gift from God, probably to Tony, and he's, I'm going to bless the world. And probably Tony has a connection maybe that maybe I don't have because I know my dad, but maybe he knows God in a different way. And... Yeah. Because it's the only father he's had, and amazing, wow. and so when when Pat told me that, I was just even more, I just there's more drawn to this song, and it's one of those uh, same thing. We were in Cape Town in February, and I was like, should I play this song? I mean, I just I just recorded it, and I just I put it out like the last of November, like a few months before, um, and I remember I just started playing the first few chords, and this entire stadium. Just started cheering. I mean, just yeah. cheering sold out. They were yeah. so excited to sing this song. I'm like, how amazing! Like, uh, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. how these songs connect the church in such a powerful way all the way across the across the world. And so, it's beautiful. This year, the Good Good Father um, at the Gospel Music Awards was um, Song of the Year, and so I was so ha- so happy for Pat and for Tony. They accepted the award, received the award. It's their song, and uh, I had very little to do with that. It was in. They were. So it's so cool to see them up there receiving that award, Song of the Year, and I couldn't help but look over to Lauren. I was like, babe, you're one for one. It's like, that's pretty awesome. You've, you've, you're one for one on song choices, on song picks. Well done. I love it so much. And that spurred on you writing a children's book called yes. Good Father. I yeah. love it. I know. I never would have dreamed, never would have dreamed I'd have written a children's book in my life that wasn't on the, that wasn't on the plants, but... You know, having two girls, Ashlyn and Madison, it's kind of the world I'm in each night. Love reading them books. We love, they love books, love stories. Um, and so it was the first line of the song I, of Good Good Father. I've heard a thousand stories of what they say mm-hmm. you're like. It was that first lyric that just, it all, that's the story, honestly, because she just downloaded to me. It was, I had it in my mind. I was like, gosh, this would be an amazing way to, to help kids understand God as a father of like, Maybe it's a, you know, I had, at first the story was maybe it's a little girl who, uh, you know, who's goes and she's trying to find out who God is like, and people keep telling her different things. Well, that morphed into Tucker the Bear, and he he's on this journey to, to because the bear town's in trouble, and he's on this journey to see the king, and he knows that the king lives in the castle with a door that's always open, which is my favorite probably my favorite part line of the book, and. On his way, he runs into all these different animals, runs into raccoons, and they're just like, where are you going? Stop. And he's like, I'm going. I need to meet the king, but i got to bring him a gift. What's the king like? And they're like, well, he's a warrior. And they're all dressed as warriors, you know. And He's a warrior. He came and helped us, you know, and here, bring him the shield. 
This is the gift you need to give him. Then he runs into the foxes and their address is doctors. They're like, no, he's not a warrior. He's a doctor. We need a healing. Our village needs a healing. And he came and healed us. And he runs into the owls. And they're like, no, no, he's a teacher. He taught us from his book. Here, bring him this, bring him this book. He loves books. You know, and like, and so he goes on down to the squirrels, to the turtles. Everybody's got a different story. I've heard a thousand stories what they say you're like. But everybody's got a different story, but all these stories are, are true. Yeah. And, the, but, but little Tucker, he's so confused. He doesn't know what the king is like. He's scared to death. Finally comes to this, <laughs> kind of finally comes to the door, the, at the, the castle, the door, it's always open. And um, scared to death. And obviously, um, I'll leave it right there in suspense for all the people who need to. <laughs> To read the book, you need to buy it for Christmas. Right, kids. right. If you have kids, uh, but it's so it was so cool. I wrote this story with Pat, and uh, who wrote the song "Good Good Father," and and one of the fun things I've never shared this, um, but since we're on your podcast, it's really fun. We're finding out like writing a children's book was so crazy. It was such a different experience, and. I didn't know what I was doing, and they're like, well, Chris, one of the things was the editor came back and said, Chris, um, your bear needs a name. You know, it's it can't just be called, called Bear. I mean, it'd be, it'd be great to have it. I didn't have a name for the bear. No. <laughs> they're like, and so we start kicking around. They're like, and I remember the editor said, you know, like kind of, kind of like Corduroy. And I was like, oh, yeah, my girls love Corduroy books. And if you're reading the, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, uh, you know, you haven't been reading books to kids, and you don't like who is Corduroy, and that doesn't matter. But those of you who've read books to kids, you know, Corduroy is a big deal. This this little bear, and you know, you already know what I'm talking about. And it's like, oh, Corduroy, yeah, I remember. I read those books, and I remember. So I called Pat immediately. He's like, Pat, um, I just talked to the editor. Our bear needs a name, you know, kind of like Corduroy. And he just starts laughing on the phone. I was like, what? And he's like, you're not gonna believe this. It's like, what? He goes, my great uncle wrote Corduroy, and I was like, what? How are you just now telling me this? It's like, this is like children's book royalty here. And like, he goes, yes, my mom's uncle um, wrote Corduroy. And we have the, in like, we have the original illustrations and the, of Corduroy, what he dream out, he wanted to look like. And and so it was cool. It was, it's hilarious. So for those of you who love Corduroy, you can think of Tucker as the little nephew of, uh, of Corduroy. New generation of Corduroy. So yeah, that's the little good, good father book. It's been so fun. I mean, I, the response to it has been amazing and so sweet. really, really fun. What are some of the other favorites on your Yeah, the album? new record. Um, the record is called Never Lose Sight, um, which comes from a song called God of Calvary, which is one of my favorites on there. Um, in the bridge, it says, If I never, never lose sight of this place, I'll never, never lose sight of your grace. The cross is all I need to see. Praise the God of Calvary. And mm. the song of the cross, obviously, is speaking of the Calvary. And... I've always found those songs to be, um, you could write those for the rest of your life every day and not touch mm. the grace, the power, the love, the reason that there's a podcast, the reason that we're talking about any of this is right. because of, and that's the never, that, the idea of never lose sight, the reason that any of this exists, the reason that we have a hope today is because of the cross, because of the mercy of God, because right. of Jesus. And so, and, and in that, we our, our friend, um, our good friend Matt Redman, you know, one of the things that I remember him first hearing him say, you know, worship's more about seeing than singing yeah. and having your eyes open to God. And that's what Never Lose Sight, this whole, the whole title really means is that mm-hmm. when you see, when you, then you sing, you know, and, yeah. and when you see God in a new way, we see the mercy of God in a new way, we see the grace in a new way, or you catch a new glimpse, then your response is worship to God. And, mm-hmm. 
So that's what every one of my records is about, and hopefully this one's about is helping people see, yeah. you know, and helping people see God. And, and, and so I love that song, um, God of Calvary, there's a song called Home, that um, I think will be the next single that comes out when people hear on the radio. And we did it for the first time this, this last weekend. We played a little concert, and I've never played before live. And the response of that was uh, unlike very few songs I've ever played for the first time. I think because there's such a hope, the song Home speaks of heaven. Yeah. And it's there's a, not a lot of songs that are really up and have a lot of, they're energetic that sing of heaven. Yeah. And just the hope that we have and that this world is broken yeah. and it's not what it's meant to be. But every one day, every tear will be wiped away. And that's not just a good lyric, that's God's word. And yeah. so Home is a song that speaks a lot of hope. Um, gosh, there's so many. We took the hymn, Come Thou Fount, which um, is one of the great hymns of, of faith. And yeah. kind of the, the history of my music is from starting from the wonderful cross back in the first record all the way up to Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, finding hymns and kind of bringing them to, into uh, 2016 or wherever. And this is one of those. It doesn't need any help from me by any means, but I found some old lyrics that were in this hymn, some an old stanza that didn't get passed down to what's in the hymnal today. And so this little refrain, and so Jill Phillips is singing that with me, and Andy Gullahorn, her husband, is doing all the acoustic, because I love the way he plays oh, acoustic. Yeah. So probably my most beautiful acoustic playing is that one, Come Thou Found, because of Andy. And I could go on to every song on the record. Um, obviously, Jesus, people know that song. Um, the 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 power just of the name of Jesus and singing that name and trying to I try to title that song any other way but Jesus because it's a lot of pressure sure. <laughs> if you're gonna say here is yeah Jesus yeah. And, uh, in a song but it just seemed to be the right title yeah. in the day and um, just had a friend email me from a massive church some in uh, Texas saying hey we just led this song this Sunday Jesus and it was so powerful in our church and I was so to hear that, that's still the heart of why the songs are written, is that yeah. they would find their way to the church. And probably what I'm most proud of, more than any awards or anything I could ever receive, is just that, um, how the songs find their way to the church. And I know that's your heart as well. We've been about that for yeah. our our whole music career. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I'll never lose sight. It's an album. I could, again, I could give you a story on all the songs, but those are a few that come to mind. It's beautiful. Well, it's such, it's timely. You know, I think you're, that's what I think of when I look through that list of songs mm. on this new record for you. It's just a timely, you know, list of songs for the church mm -hmm. and for this moment. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why you got a huge re reaction from home because it's just, you know, we, it's a, it's a tough climate. It's and a tough I think climate. it's yeah. just, it's a timely word of just, powerful truth and there's never been a better time to have a song called Jesus so <laughs> I'm right. proud of you thank you it's an amazing record and you also are heading into touring in your Christmas record yeah. which came out last year last right? year at Door yes this is your second Christmas record and I love them both I can't choose oh, between them oh thank you and you're I on the first one though I guess so. <laughs> what songs are on what because you're on the first one so maybe that's the best one um, <laughs> but Adore is uh, yeah my second Christmas album I love Christmas music so much, and just like yours, um, which I'll thrill of hope, can we just talk about, um, the wrap this one up, oh my gosh, that's Christy, that song, I, 
somebody told me, I think it was George Wondera told me oh, the title. Yeah. And told me the idea, and I was like, God, that's brilliant. And then when I heard the song, it's even more brilliant. Oh, thank you. I love the song. I love the record, but I listened to that song so many times already. It's not even Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I love writing songs, and like you did, like a lot of originals, you know, and that's what I've tried to bring to some of this some of the great classics but also some uh some new ones as well and so adore um is we're going on a christmas tour in this in december um for about 11 nights mostly west coast yeah. and so we did a bit bit last year and yeah i really love that record gosh we make these records live um recorded both christmas records live and what you hear is kind of what you what you got from the night and that's what makes it a little bit different than my other albums. Yeah. It's very, very stripped down, yeah. very simple, and because I, I always thought Christmas is about, you know, it's about singing. It's about, uh, you know, just it's about people. Sometimes we think of Christmas carols and we think, well, it's a different category, but those are just they're just great worship songs. Yeah, and that's what I tried to capture yeah. with this record. Is like, wow, this is what. It's just a bunch of people singing it, and that's what you hear in these records. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot before I let you go. Okay. This is called The Glorious and the Mundane, this podcast. And I would love to know, you know, I've, you are, it's hands down, you know, you're a modern hymn writer of our time. Um, so I know that God speaks to you through music, and you express through music, and you experience very much glorious through music. But what would you say is another way or another, I guess, outlet or any any other way mm. that I'd love to just know how you experience the glorious in just when you're home from a Monday through Thursday and you're just going about your week and you're being a dad and you're being a husband and what's maybe another tool that, is it reading, is it taking a walk, is it... Mm-hmm. How do you experience Amazing. the glorious and the Well, I, I am, again, blessed by um, a wife, Lauren, that notices things in the simple things and, and helps me, helps me recognize the simple things. We'll be outside here at the, at the farm and just be listening. And so sometimes we will just sit outside and on the front and just have lunch with the girls in the yard and... Lauren's like, let's just be quiet and listen to the wind and the trees. And we'll just, we'll just lay there and listen to the wind. And it's so amazing. Ashlyn's five. She'll, she'll, now she'll, she'll be like, you hear the wind, Dad? You hear the wind? I was like, yeah. She goes, that's God talking. And so I was like, precious. how amazing. Yeah. And so I, I love that the, the simple things, you know, obviously me, me just me looking at my girls every day, as frustrating as they can be, is it, you know, everybody knows that it's not sure. like just this amazing, you know, like angels singing all the time in the house. I mean, it's, seriously, not yeah, yeah, no, I can tell you, we do not have it. We do not have it all together. But just seeing, just watching them and and just looking at them is the greatest gift to me of just opening, of keeping my heart open, opening my heart all the time of like. God's love and God's grace and God's goodness and all those things. It's just, it's beautiful. They don't, they don't have to say anything that's, you know, it's not even said. It's just, it's just felt. It's, it's just, it's known. And so I think that's, those are 
those are a couple ways for me is just really just being still and and with my girls and listening to the wind and the trees and it's been like as as weird as that sounds it's just really beautiful um and to see my five-year-old already picking up on that she goes oh listen uh, listen to the wind listen dad listen she'll stop listen to the wind that's god talking i can see her yeah i mean yeah amazing yeah last time we were all here we kind of have a little supper club that we're yeah. a part of our families and lauren had everybody all the kids out on the front lawn as soon as it got dark to look at the stars yes look and at the stars just let's get everybody you know lay down let's look at the stars and it's just, I love it that she takes the time. Like you said, she notices things. and um, Yeah, it helps me. Yeah. Another fun thing I saw, I was here not long ago. I was standing in y'all's kitchen, and I looked up on the cabinet, and I think she had left a little note for the nanny, and it said a little schedule. And it said, yeah. you know, nap time, this time. Yeah. And you get up, and it's playtime, you know, and then it said dinner, and then it said outside play, and then it said tick check. Tick <laughs> check. Maybe it was bath time and then tick check. Or... <laughs> you got me. Yeah, I mean, out here, you got to check. You got to tick check. Yeah, it's like it was like on the schedule. It's on the schedule. For the nanny. Make sure. The ticket. Yeah. Love it. So That's real life right here. Uh... All right, everybody, strip them down, tick check. <laughs> no, this made me really happy. And we only live five minutes apart. Yeah, Who yeah. ever imagined? Oh, no. That is so amazing. Yeah. That we live right down the road from each other. Yeah. I remember the first round we lived here, and I'll let you go, but... No, um, this is fun. We lived here, you know, for about 10 years, and you came to that old house. It was before we ever did the Atlanta yeah. uh, jaunt altogether. But, um, and you were in Austin at the time. I remember you visiting our house there, and, and I remember saying, like, would you ever move here? And you're like, no way. I did. Because you were like Texas boy. I, I was mean, Texas. Through and through. Yeah. And then, of course, seven-ish years in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny that we're all, that we're here like five minutes apart. Yeah. Out here. I, a, I, I know. Trip. And I love being here. I grew up in a small town. And so um, I just, I kind of wanted more of a small town feel. That's what I'm used to my whole life. And I never thought I'd leave Texas, like you said. And I'll always be a Texan through and through. Um, but I uh, I love it out here it just in this little in this little town. Uh, Nashville's a big city and we're you know, yeah. Franklin's a small town. So I, I that it just fits it fits me right and I love that we're close together and right down the road from each other. And you could not, and yeah, just something about taking a drive and you're always and you're just seeing fences. And horses, yeah. and hay, and tractors. Yeah, you're getting stuck in traffic behind a tractor. Right, I love that. <laughs> it is so fun. So we'll go into town every once in a while into Nashville, and my Ashland man, she gets fired up. She's like, "The city, yeah, the city." Sense. She'll see lights, and I'm like, I, "It makes me realize, like, my gosh, yeah, she does not, she doesn't know this. She doesn't, because I mean, living in Atlanta, you were just like, this is just all around you, the city, yeah, yeah. and now she's just like." The city. She gets, <laughs> she gets so fired up. I love it so much. Well, thank you. Thanks for... Oh, I love that you're doing this. I love me out. the amazing uh, podcast you got going on. and Well done. and Well done on the, the new album, putting that out. Oh, I mean, thank you. it's a lot to do it. You and Nathan, <laughs> basically, we're going to do this and by yeah. ourselves. And so cool to see the community support, how already massive it what the massive like 
response has been to it. I know you. I know you've been blown away. Blown away. Blown away. And um, so blown away. So blessed. If you're listening to this and you have not got Christie's <laughs> Christmas record, I'm seriously. What are you doing in life? <laughs> seriously, why are you listening to this podcast? Don't listen anymore. Because uh, I'm just kidding. That is amazing. Um, the thrill of hope. That's a good, good album. But uh-huh. yeah, I mean, we made a lot of music together for 20 years, and it's a, it's a fun season to see uh, and see Nathan thriving, and it's so fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, well, back at you. <laughs> Thanks for being my special guest, and special you are. As you can see, I'm incredibly grateful for Chris and his friendship to me and really his friendship to the church in general and how he's literally given us the soundtrack to many seasons of our lives with songs to sing to God in each one of those seasons. Chris's new album, Never Lose Sight, is beautiful, and it's available now. And you can also already purchase tickets to Worship Night in America for 2017 on his website. I thought that might be a wonderful Christmas present for someone in your family to go ahead and purchase tickets for that for them. And since we've shared a little bit about meaningful gift giving in the past few podcasts, I thought I would also tell you about a very special and unique opportunity that you have as a listener today to literally give a gorgeous, one-of-a-kind gift, but also change a young lady's life forever. In a season filled with over-the-top gift-giving and excess, Seiko Designs is all about encouraging giving better, not more. Seiko Designs is an ethical fashion brand based in Uganda that employs young women during their gap year between high school and college so that they're able to earn an income and attend university. They've had 72 women go through their program to date. So here's the scoop. I've been connected to what Seiko Designs affectionately calls a soul sister, S-O-L-E. My soul sister and yours is Linda, who is one of the 11 university-bound women on their team in Uganda. Linda has needed to overcome many challenges in her life, but that hasn't stopped her from cultivating a wide variety of passions and interests. She enjoys chatting with friends, watching High School Musical, and economics. She also dreams of traveling to Japan. She's seen a little bit of it, she says, in Kung Fu films, and would love to get a glimpse of the culture and architecture in person. She's even thinking she might want to run for president one day. She's the youngest of four children and has lost both of her parents when she was very young, but Linda has been determined to succeed and be hardworking. So you and I get to be Team Linda, and our holiday shopping can be directly tied to her scholarship fund. You see, while a woman is working at Seiko, she sets aside savings, which Seiko then matches 200% at the end of her term, and that becomes her scholarship fund. But this year, they're aiming to match not just 200%, but 300%. We're talking that it's quadrupling her savings, which could help pay for her first couple of years of school. Imagine that. And I'm telling you that I squealed out loud when I clicked the link to see the beautiful purses and jewelry and footwear and accessories. You're going to love these designs. So for about a week, you can shop with me in my very own shop for my soul sister, Linda. And how amazing to be able to tell your friend that the wallet or the purse you just purchased them will also help send a young woman to college. I first heard about Seiko Designs when my friend Ann Boskamp sent out her book, along with it, I got this gorgeous leather tote bag that kind of stole my heart a little bit. And when I read up on them, I decided to Instagram about it. And lo and behold, I found myself teaming up with them too. So those listening, 
you can head over to seikodesigns.com slash Christy Knuckles. That's double S as in Sam, ekodesigns.com slash Christy Knuckles. Or you can easily head over to christyknuckles.com to this podcast post, and the link will be right there for you to direct you right to Team Linda, the shopping experience that we can change someone's life together. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening today. It warmed my heart to get to record a podcast again. Something had to give last week. It was Code Sabbath, which I know you understand, but it was just wonderful to get to be back with you today. And I wanted to say my heartfelt thanks to all of you again who have told us specifically what the thrill of hope has meant to all of you as you've Instagram little comments here and there. And as you've been listening as a family, it's just meant so much to us knowing that the spirit in which all of it was written and recorded and delivered is shining through. And that means more to us than you'll ever know. So thank you. The Thrill of Hope is available on iTunes and Amazon.com and special pricing if you're ordering more than a few on ChristyKnuckles.com. Of course, it's always available on Apple Music as well for streaming. Thank you to all of you. And from our home to yours, have a glorious day and I'll talk to you soon.